Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squidly Careers podcast, where each week we talk about a different topic to do with work and share some ideas for action and tools to try out that we hope will help you, and it definitely helps us, to navigate our squiggly careers with that little bit more confidence, clarity and control. And we just wanted to start this week by saying a quick thank you to everyone who takes the time to give us star ratings and write a review for us. We know it's never going to be top of your to-do list, which we completely understand, but we do really appreciate you giving us feedback and letting you know what you're learning from the podcast, what you find useful, any even better ifs. And one really stood out for me recently that I did want to share, where someone said, every career needs squiggly, which I thought was pretty lovely. Absolutely love these podcasts and the Pod Plus community. And the person goes on to talk a bit about how they've struggled at work and in quite a toxic environment, and then finishes by saying... The podcast has reminded me of who I am, my values and my strengths, and I'm now so excited about the future. I've recommended you both to so many other people. So nice. And I do just want to let people know those kind of reviews, and they don't know will have to be quite as gushing as that one, though (laughs) I, I do love it. We read every one and they do make our week. And when we are recording our 200 and however many episodes, doing it every week, it really helps just to keep us motivated to know that we are you know, being useful and being helpful for you in your careers. So if you do get five minutes to write us a review, we'd be really grateful. But in the meantime, we just wanted to say thank you to everyone who takes the time already to do that for us. Look at you being all warm and fuzzy. Oh, yeah, I've been on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and and, and I've had a gin tonic, so, you know... (laughs) I like this holiday, Sarah. If you want to be uh, in part of our warm and fuzzy career yeah. community or just get some tips on how to work uh, or manage your career, join the Pod Plus community. It's every Thursday. It's a 30-minute session with either Sarah or myself, occasionally both of us mocking each other a little bit. It's free. Uh, it's on Zoom. The people that are part of it are just so lovely and generous and it's very, very sherry and supportive. We'll put the link to join in the show notes. And if you can't find that, you can always just email us. We're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. We'll get the details over to you. But today we are talking about the topic of self-sabotage. <laughs> Sarah and I were like, have we talked about this? Have we talked about this? I don't know whether it's very much on our mind, this topic yeah. of self-sabotage, <laughs> but we were really convinced that we talked about it. So we have searched on many apps and on our website and we are convinced that we haven't and we are also convinced that it's a very important topic to cover. So perhaps let's just start with what self-sabotage is Saboteurs are the voice in your head that can generate stress and negative emotions in the way that you handle your work and life challenges. 
And the issue with these saboteurs that we all carry around with us is they limit our potential for happiness and our performance at work. And I guess the saboteur shortcut, if that is too long a definition, is, is essentially how you get in your own way. And getting in your own way, though it sounds very counterintuitive, why would any of us want to do that? It's actually very normal, natural and understandable because it's us trying to protect ourselves from getting hurt. You know, if you hope something is going to happen, then you run the risk of being disappointed. But it also means that it's really destructive because it means that we have less opportunities, we limit our learning and we can't discover new potential or new things that perhaps we didn't know that we could do before. And there's a really great video by the School of Life just called Self-Sabotage, if you want to Google it, just talking a bit about kind of why it's part of all of our DNA. So I often think it is quite reassuring sometimes to know, firstly, that you're not alone and that it's something that impacts all of us. And there's this really brilliant quote from Alain de Botton who does have a way with words. Mm. And he says, getting what we want can feel unbearingly risky. Self-sabotage may make us sad, but at least safely, blessedly in control. And essentially saying sort of like we're sort of looking after and out for ourselves by sort of not getting our hopes up and not doing things where we could fail and not taking those risks. But at the same time, we also know, and I think it feels really familiar, like how frustrating that behaviour can be, because I think we often do know that we're doing it, but we do it anyway, which I always found really fascinating. Well, I think when I've been sort of researching this and we'll come on to a really good survey that you can take to find out your saboteur profile, but it's almost like we convince ourselves that our saboteur is justified. Like we're like, oh, but it's mm. fine to, you know, act like this because that's a way that I get more stuff done or it's fine like this because that's a way that I stop myself doing, you know, taking too many risks or things that might go wrong. And so we sort of justify these behaviours because it reinforces our need for control but ultimately it limits our potential and our happiness. And Emma Gannon has written a brilliant book called Sabotage, which is very on brand for today's podcast, which I would really recommend reading. And the reason I like it so much is it's very specific and it's short and it's a really good distillation of the research and the reasons why, but also Emma's personal perspective on like how it's got in her way, some of the things that have helped her. So I found that a really good kind of point of reference preparing for today. And one of the chapters in that book is she talks about, though you sort of self-sabotage, so it is about you and what you do, it's also interesting to reflect on the people that you surround yourself with. And are those people supporting your self-saboteur? So i.e. are they making you feel maybe less confident? Do they make you compare yourself? Maybe they're people you don't want to share good news with because you worry about the impact it might have on them. Maybe they hold you back in some way or do you feel like they're really sort of supporting you? So though this is, and we're going to focus today mainly on sort of you and what you can do, I do think there is also an element of the people you surround yourself with, which is an important aspect to consider as we go through today. So as Helen mentioned, there are a few different ways that you can start to develop your self-awareness of self-sabotage, essentially. You've got to do two things. You've got to be self-aware and then you've got to self-manage, which is really the taking action part. And to improve your self-awareness, there's a few different sort of tools or frameworks and profiles that we've come across that we've found useful. And the first one is by a lady called Judy Ho, who is a clinical neuropsychologist. 
And she split self-sabotaging into four different categories that spell life. So I'm just going to talk those three quickly and then we're both going to reflect on which one of those maybe sticks out for us, if any of them. So the L stands for low self-esteem. And so then you maybe think you don't deserve good things. You know, you sort of don't believe in yourself. The I is internalised beliefs and finding them hard to shake. So that's probably what we would describe as confidence gremlins, those beliefs that hold you back and perhaps you struggle to cage those confidence gremlins. The F is for fear of the unknown and self-protection. So I guess this would show up as things like not doing things because of a fear of failure or that uncertainty or I've not done that before and just that sort of fear of it's uh, the kind of untrodden path and not knowing where it might lead and that feeling too scary so you get in your own way. And then the E is excessive need for control and almost preferring control to anything else. So you sort of prioritise feeling in control, which then might mean that you stay very much in your comfort zone for all of your time at work because you think, well, at least I'm in control and I I kind of feel good about that. And it stops you doing things that might be braver or require more vulnerability. So of that life Mm -hmm. sort of... I think that's more of a framework than a profile. Any of those that particularly stick out for you, Helen, when you're self-sabotaging? Yeah, I was listening and then I I was creating a new acronym. I was like, which one, if I was going to rank these in like order of self-sabotage, it spells leaf, which sounds very growy, but I don't think it's supposed to be quite as growy as it sounds. Leaf spelled quite funny, L-E-I-F, which means I think my highest self-saboteur profile and I think this might surprise people but will probably be like the low self-esteem one and it's not I beat myself up so that's not what I mean by when I identify with that it's that I often feel fortunate or lucky to have the things that I have and I sort of I I sort of assume they're going to go away you know like the the, Mm. you sort of describe as don't deserve good things sometimes I'm like oh I don't know like the reason squiggly is doing well is because people need support because the pandemic and there's a risk that that might not they might not need squiggly anymore rather than maybe having the confidence to say well the reason squiggly is doing well is because it gives people the support that they need regardless of what's happening in the world of their work this is you know this is the stuff that people need and therefore it's not going to go away and you should sort of trust in that so I think there's obviously something in me that doesn't have the I don't know doesn't have that full level of self-esteem that would allow me to sort of recognize it in isolation I have to almost go well it's doing well because of these other things because of these other factors and if those factors go away it might not do well anymore which is quite vulnerable to share that but yeah I I think (laughs) of all the four that one would be the highest one for me and then the E would be the excessive need control I can definitely see like situations in personal and professional life where I sometimes try and give people control and then I just behind the scenes take control anyway <laughs> because um, I'm like but I want to do it I, I want to do it in this way or I believe it should be done in this way so I think yeah like I do that particularly outside of work as well <laughs> yeah what I do you? think as you um as you go through this I, I definitely started off with you know sort of blissful ignorance I was like <laughs> I was like oh I don't think I do too much self-sabotaging like this is like interesting and then the, the more you go through it, the more confronting it becomes in basically yeah. all areas of your life. And then you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I now but don't worry new... if you feel doomed about your development because we do have lots of ideas <laughs> for action. They're just coming in about five minutes, everyone. Yeah. So hold, hold tight. <laughs> yeah, so mine, I, but I probably wouldn't rank them in the way that you did because I just have one that particularly stands out for me, which is the excessive need for control because I really, I know about myself. I do like to be 
in control. I actually don't mind the unknown. I've I've got you know, good confidence and I've you know I've worked on confidence gremlins and all those kind of things. So I feel those first three. I almost it's not that they're easy, but I think I've almost very proactively worked on them throughout my career and feel like I'm in a good a good place to stop myself getting in my own way. Back to the definition. Whereas my excessive need for control, I can as soon as I start to feel out of control, I think I could sabotage making good decisions, doing the right thing, relationships, loads of different things just to get back into control because I think that makes me feel like safe again, back yeah. to that point about like safety that Alan de Bottom was talking about. So I think I just have a real standout one there when I look at those. So that's one way that you can maybe start to assess what self-sabotage might look like for you. The other one that I've found useful is something that I did when I was at Virgin, actually. So we had an external company come in to teach us about our saboteur profiles in our team. And these saboteur profiles are based on the work of Shirzad Shamin, who has a really good website called Positive Intelligence, which allows you to take a 50-question survey. It doesn't take that long, but it does help you then to identify what your saboteur profile is and there are 10 different profiles the first is the judge everyone has a judge so this is the bit within you that beats you up over your mistakes or your shortcomings but what the judge does is it activates one of nine other profiles and you can have sort of a cluster of profiles unfortunately like a little saboteur party but you will have one that's kind of most dominant alongside the judge and so the other profiles are the avoider the controller the hyperachiever the hyper-rational, the hyper-vigilant, the pleaser, the restless, the stickler and the victim. They're the other profiles. So you take the survey and what it does is it generates a report which gives you sort of a ranking of which one of those saboteur profiles is most likely to be getting in your way. And then it talks about how it's getting in your way and then basically tries to sell you some services about overcoming it. But just go with the first bit to help you understand what your saboteur profile might be and some of the things that it might be causing you in your in your career. So Sarah and I took this survey and we haven't told each other what each other's profile is. I wonder if we can do if you were to guess, Sarah, which one of the um other than the judge, obviously, which we all have, but which yeah. profile do you think the judge activates in me, which is the highest? Which was the your highest? highest? Yeah. Uh I'm gonna guess hyperachiever. And you'd be right. It was like all the scale, all the scale was into hyperachievement. What, as in 10 out of 10? Yeah, 10 out of 10. It was awesome. Like, oh, no. I know, 10 out of 10. I mean, um, isn't that the thing where it's like, well, no one's a 10? <laughs> yeah, t- turns out the hyperachieving Helen. What well, the irony that I had to get 10 out of 10 in hyperachievement? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's not ironic. Maybe it's just very on brand. Yeah, well, it says, so I think just to kind of give you kind of listening a bit of an insight into what you get, so you get this sort of the characteristic summary. So it's says can keep people at a safe distance for example or adapt personality to fit what would be impressive to other people potentially I don't necessarily identify with all of that but that you get that summary and then it shows you what thoughts you might have so I must be best at what I do or this one I definitely think emotions get in the way of performance I'm like oh no I think I do think that and then it has a feeling section so for example for my profile there it says like I don't like to dwell in feelings for too long they distract me from achieving my goals I mean yeah and then this is a bit I found most interesting justification lies these are the ways that we justify our behavior so for example it says here 
Life is about achieving and producing results. Portraying my image helps me achieve results and feelings are distractions that don't help anything. And I, I could almost hear myself saying that and I was like, oh no, this is the way that you sort of protect your profile and convince yourself that this behaviour is helping you. And then it goes through sort of impact on self and others and then it does get quite deep because it talks about where this this saboteur profile might have originated as a result of you know your upbringings and experiences so i think it is it's quite deep i definitely see quite a lot of myself in those and i do need a bit of support now with what i do with it which hopefully we're going to get onto because it doesn't it doesn't give you all of that information in the report that you get would be my, my warning can i guess yours of course so i think it's probably we've already said it but i'm just wondering if the survey comes out with it i would i think when i was going through them that you'd come out with the highest order for a controller no. <gasps> Interesting. Ooh, oh, now I'm shame. excited. Didn't, Tell didn't me more. Tell on that me one, more. did you? Go on. Which one? Um, hyperachiever. Oh, no. This is disastrous, Sarah. <laughs> is it, well, what happens if you put two together? Is it like, do you like implode? Mine wasn't 10, though it was it was 9.4. Was it? <laughs> 9.4. Hilarious. 9.4. No. Uh, my controller was second, but it was it was a massive drop. My controller was 6.9. Oh, my second one was a restless, so yeah, a restless hyperachiever. <laughs> but I also had a tie in second because I was also an avoider at 6.9 as well. I was a controller and avoider. But I also, I do think as you go through these, don't, like we always say with any of these kind of profiling things, use them as inputs, not as outputs, because there were definitely things that I read where I thought that hasn't been my experience. I don't recognise that behaviour. Like I... You know, some of the, obviously they're they're trying to describe as many characteristics and thoughts, and some will just feel more relevant than others. Like yeah, and, with that... and at their most distinctive as well, which is where I think well, that mm. both can be uncomfortable, but also might not fully reflect you. The thing we did at Virgin that I found really interesting was we a we got a very detailed report that did come with the ways to kind of respond to your saboteur profile, but like with all these type survey things, it was the discussion that it enabled. Like, yeah, do other people see this in you? When, if they do see it in you, when does it potentially create friction in the way that you work? It's those sorts of conversations that I think this insight can really help you with. Well, I guess for both of us, we both have achievement as a value. And this is a really good demonstration about how your values can work for you and against you, essentially. Mm. Like that's that's bringing, bringing this to life, like in, in sort of in very stark reality. So have a go at doing that. It's free. And as Ham said, I mean, I did it today. It took me... Six or seven minutes, I think, if that. So it's not something that takes ages to do. And you get the report to your email really quickly as well. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So, what do we do now with all of this self awareness about how we self sabotage, whatever that might look like for you? We want to think about the actions that we can take. And these actions, like most things, are most successful when they are taken incrementally. So everything I've read about self-sabotage says it's very difficult to go from I self-sabotage to I now don't self-sabotage. <laughs> I am like, fixed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it was that easy, we would have all done it. So I think it's worth kind of bearing that in mind. But then equally, sometimes when I was reading some of the, the research and the examples, that there's a bit of a lack of going... Okay, well, I get that, that you can't sort of go from zero to hero overnight, but what are the things that you could do that might be helpful? So our first idea for action is to have a go, and it's very rare that I said say this sentence, at doing a grid. Ooh, <laughs> um, be a matrix before you yeah. know it. No, it definitely won't. It needs to be a grid because I've written it as a grid. So it's, uh, and this this grid or table, I guess, this is quite confronting because essentially it looks at how you self-sabotage the excuses that you make for that self-sabotage and the consequences. So that's why it's quite confronting. So big reminder here to this is not to try and make you feel worse, but I did find this really useful to be more specific. So, you know, rather than just being like, oh, I'm a hyper achiever or some of these like big statements and big profile things, this is where you get specific about, well, how does this show up in what you do and probably particularly what you don't do And therefore, like, and what's the so what in terms of the impact? So your grid has three headers, which is what are your self-sabotaging activities? What are the excuses? What does it sound like? The excuses that you sort of probably tell yourself in your head. That's the kind of second part. And then the third part is like, well, what are you sabotaging? You know, this like, I know you're sort of sabotaging yourself, but very specifically, what does that look like? So I'll give you a few. I mean, once I got started, I could... I found this table. I was like getting, I was like, oh, I'll put a couple of examples. And I got to five in about three minutes. <laughs> and then I stopped myself. <laughs> but just to give you a few. So, one from maybe like more personal life. So, straight away, I was like, okay, so I self sabotage. One thing I don't do is I don't go to the doctors. What's the excuse that I make? Oh, I'm too busy. It's really difficult to sort out. It's really time consuming. Those like more important things, basically. And so, if you think about well, what are you sabotaging? You're like, your health. This is where it starts to get quite confronting. You're like, oh, just that little thing. Okay. My next one was fitting in important work around the edges of a day rather than prioritizing it. And what's the excuse that I make? It's not my fault. So you get, I get a bit victim-like, I think, here. Like, it's not in my control. This is not something I could have sorted out. If, if I had been in control of this, obviously, it would have all been fine. Um, that's kind of what I'm saying in my head. And then what are you sabotaging the quality of your work that you produce? A really small one, which actually I have worked quite hard on recently. So this is less of a big one for me, but it used to be, you know, scrolling on Instagram before bed. So as in like in, it, I say before bed, actually in bed, just being like, just going to scroll on Instagram for like 10 minutes. And then I couldn't even think of an excuse <laughs> to give myself an excuse. I was just like, well, no, because it's so stupid. <laughs> I got really angry at myself. I was like, this is such a stupid thing to do. And I know why. And I've read all the books that tell you why. And yet I still do it so I couldn't actually even come up with my own excuse and what are you sabotaging my reading time because I read in bed but also obviously your sleep 
also feels quite important. Anyway, the list went on. I got into <laughs> things like comparison and avoiding difficult conversations. It was at this point where I was like, oh, maybe I do quite a lot of self-sabotaging. I found this a really helpful springboard to then figure out, well, which of these am I going to start with? Which ones feels most important? I do think it's very hard to do this without straying into like personal as well as professional actions. But I found that grid just gave me some good clarity to get started. Makes me think as well, like I think about what's my self-saboteur activity. I'd say like um, working on the sofa in the evening and my excuse would be, yeah, but, you know, we run our own business and this work needs to get done. But ultimately, I think I'm sabotaging my rest and relationships by doing that because I don't mm. protect but put that boundary. And I can definitely see ones that are sort of more worky ones as well. Like, say, what the, the self-sabotage, very worky activity would be like my tunnel vision focus to kind of get something done and in order to get it done I'll do it myself and the excuse will be well I can just get it out there quicker and so it'll get it done and then what am I sabotaging I think the the quality of the work because it could definitely be better probably my prioritization like the what's the most important work to do not just what's the work that I can do myself in my own way I think there's those sorts of things come into it so I I find this a really useful thing to go through as well Sarah I agree it helps you to to start almost bottom up a lot of those surveys sort of top down you know yes, survey yeah, and here's yeah. your profile whereas this makes you take a step back and almost think more broadly what are some of those different behaviors or activities that might be getting in your way and what is the bigger impact of it if you think it through yeah, it's almost a difference between you sort of zoom out to look at all of your personality, which, you know, like that's the bit where it can get a bit deeper. And also you might not feel that it's the right time to do that or you might not be particularly up for doing that versus I think the grid is much more of a zoom in. How does self-sabotaging impact your week right now or at the moment? Like, what does that look like? And be really specific about that. So idea for action number two is about responding to this like greater awareness you've got about how self-sabotage might be getting in your way. And as Sarah said, you can't really get rid of this straight away, but you can reduce the impact of it. And over time, hopefully you can stop self-sabotage, this particular one that you might be focusing on from you know affecting your happiness or your performance. And so the way that we're going to do this is think about how do we go from getting in our own way to getting out of our own way? And what you can do is write yourself a set of cycle breaking instructions because what you've got at the moment is almost like your saboteur on autopilot maybe you're aware of it now which is definitely a good start but what happens is when it's on autopilot is it's driving your actions and it's getting in your way and you're probably not even that aware of it so we need to be very conscious about breaking the cycle and it starts with you thinking about well what is this unhelpful cycle this unhelpful pattern of behavior that you want to break so like my example was like you know working on the sofa in the evening because that's affecting my rest and potentially my relationships. And what we're trying to do is almost create some psychological distance by imagining how you would advise somebody else that you care about who might be stuck in this cycle that you're experiencing. So let's say I'm trying to imagine if I was to give Sarah some advice because she was, you know, caught in this work trap in the evening, what would that advice be? And what you want to do is write down that advice to break the cycle, but in no more than five steps and be as 
as clear and specific as you can about what you would advise that person to do. So if I kind of work through this example with you, my unhelpful cycle is working in the evening on the sofa. And we've talked about the impact of that. And if I were imagining that was what Sarah was struggling with, what advice would I give her to break that cycle? The first thing that I would do is I would say, put half an hour in at the end of your day as protected time to finish the bits that would be on your mind if you didn't. So that'd be the first thing I'd do and like put that in a diary. The second thing that I would say is when you come in the door, leave your laptop at another one. <laughs> like as in, go and put that laptop in a different room, not one that you are going to be in in the evening. But almost it's like they're finding a bit of friction. Make it a very conscious choice that you've got to go up your stairs or wherever it would be, but it's not it's not there in front of you. And then the third thing that I would say would be let Sarah's other half, Tom, let let Tom know what you're doing and maybe, you know, tell a friend as well who can almost act as a bit of accountability partners for you so that if you do find yourself grabbing that laptop, they can be saying to you, look, you wanted me to let you know when you were going to do that and I could see you're grabbing it. Is that something you definitely want to do? Not to sort of check up on you, but I guess to check in with you that that is a conscious choice that you want to make. And so even just saying that, I think gets me to some more clarity in thinking about what advice I would give to Sarah versus how I would manage that if I was thinking about it myself, particularly because there's three parts of that. And I think I'd just say, oh, I'll, I'll just leave my laptop in another room and I'd stop there. And I don't think it would be creating as much cycle breaking activity as the three things that I've identified by imagining it was Sarah that I was trying to support with it. And when I was reading and kind of getting some inspiration for this idea, I really liked the thought that you almost write this as if it's an almost like an instruction manual. So you know that somebody could just pick it up and follow those instructions step by step. They are I suppose not all instruction manuals live up to live up to this dream, but the idea is they are simple, easy to follow and they kind of make sense one after the other, but the you don't want to be more than five because any more than that, we just kind of won't remember. And with Helen's three there, you don't just want one thing because the one thing is probably the thing you've already thought of. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure Helen's already thought of, well, maybe I could put my laptop in another room, but the point is she doesn't do it. Whereas actually by then sort of almost having those different steps, it then just starts to remind you to think, well, no, I am going to try and break this cycle. And it will feel... It'll probably feel really hard and uncomfortable that first time that you do it, but it will get a bit easier. And I tried this last week, as I mentioned, I was on holiday, smug, that's why I'm so relaxed, <laughs> um, that, that and the gin. But um, I was on holiday last week and I, I was quite mindful of the Instagram scrolling one because I was thinking, I don't really know why I do that. I don't think it adds anything to my life, but yeah, it had become this sort of, and I don't think it helps me sleep or anything, or it's taking away from reading time. So I was like, right, what are the steps that I would be telling someone else? Because I would definitely almost be a bit like, well, that's not a good good thing to do before bed. Like, we all know that. And so for me, it wasn't just about thinking, oh, I'm just going to take Instagram off my phone forever, because that also felt like something I didn't want to do. But for my holiday, I did take Instagram off my home home screen. So actually, I made it, to Helen's point about adding some friction, finding friction, I made it sort of harder to access. I then bought three books that I was really excited about reading. Mm. So I was like, oh, I had like a, well, I've got these three books now that I can that I can read while I'm on holiday. And then almost like the first thing that I pick up when I get into bed is now I actually read on my Kindle and don't pick up your phone. Because I think that was the other thing is that I sort of got into this habit of getting into bed and pick up my phone and almost be like, 
oh, any WhatsApp messages, look at Instagram, you know, like I'm sure lots and lots of people do. Whereas now I'm sort of trying to be like, no, the thing that you pick up when you get into bed is your book, is not your phone. So that was kind of the three steps for me. And on holiday, honestly, the first day I still picked up my phone, but then Instagram sort of wasn't there. And I was like, oh yeah. And it's funny how quickly you just sort of go, okay, fine. And you sort of put your phone back down and just start reading. But then the next day I just picked up my Kindle. And so it just got, and and by the end of the week it became, I had definitely broken that cycle and I'd sort of forgotten that it was there. And I had to sort of re-remember to think, oh yeah, I need to sort of find that again because actually, yeah, I do like using Instagram some of the time and we use it for work, but I just don't want it to be using at that time. So I have seen this work in a really sort of small way for me, like in the last week. An idea for action three is about creating your own self-support reward system. So this is really all about prioritising the carrot rather than the stick (laughs) and sort of treating yourself for all of you um, Parks and Recreation fans out there. So we can all be a bit guilty of using delaying tactics to keep our self-saboteur alive and well. And that sounds like oh, I'll sort this out when I've got a bit more time, work slows down a bit, I'm a bit less stressed. Do you know what I weirdly do? I'll sometimes be like, on the first of the month? <laughs> I have like, a, I do like a, I, don't, I do that all the time though. When I was really, I was like, definitely for some of my personal life stuff that I do actually really need to sort out, I'll be like, okay, well, it's too much for this month, but on the first of June, oh, it's all going to change. On the 1st of July, it's all going to change. And I sort of have these like weird start of the month things that nothing ever changes, obviously, but it's still, I think it helps me in my head. But all it's actually doing is like, basically, it's like a really good delaying tactic. You're making excuses. And the problem is, if you're waiting for the moment of, I'll sort this out when the world is perfect, it's never going to happen. And you feel quite guilty that you've then not done the thing that you wanted to do so you've not done anything differently and sort of if anything the cycle just continues and you probably feel even worse and I really recognize this behavior in myself you know like the sort of the because I'm quite future orientated I wonder whether this is more of a challenge for me I don't know I'll have to see with Helen because Helen's definitely more present orientated than me but I think because I I naturally like to look ahead I think this also sometimes gets in my way because I'll think oh well I'm you know in September then I'm going to try doing this thing differently, but I won't do it for now. And and, and I, I sort of find that easier, I think, to think about the future. I don't know if I delay. I think I justify more. Mm. So you might be like, oh, I'll sort this out in the future. And I think, nah, do I really need to sort this out? Because maybe it's not so bad, actually. <laughs> like, I I think I find, you know, those that, I think that's why that, that thing, that survey about the lies that you tell yourself really resonated with me. Because I, I think I sort of justify my saboteur, even if I have got a bit of awareness of it, I almost don't address it because I find ways to justify the, the benefit that it brings. And I ignore, I choose to ignore the, the, the barriers that it mm. might create for myself. So maybe I delay and you justify. Quite interesting, isn't it? To like think yeah. about, so what do you do in response to it? And so if you are like me, and maybe you do sort of delay doing anything about it, you've got to create some urgency some nowness about like making making change happen and really practically one of the things that I was reading about that can be really helpful is this idea of we are all quite motivated by rewards and I was sort of like yep I get this and the idea here is that within a week on a Monday you would put a reminder in your diary at the start of a Monday of what you're not going to do that week as in the kind of self-sabotaging activity or behavior that you want to stop and also in that same reminder, you'd also have 
And this is how I'm going to reward myself on Friday or on Sunday or whenever it might be when I have not done that thing. So let's say with the Instagram example, I was like, right, on Monday, no Instagram scrolling before bed this week. And on Friday, I'm going to buy myself that book that I've sort of had my eye on for a while. And if you want to, some people find it really helpful to have the same reminder at the start of their day every day for at least the first week when you're trying to kind of, again, going back to breaking those cycles. I guess it's sort of like a positive affirmation but that is more about more about being basically stopping your self-saboteur and it's it's that constant reinforcement of well this is something I want to do differently and maybe seeing it at the start of every day but I felt like seeing at the start of my week would probably be enough but then on the Friday or the Sunday you get a new reminder basically congratulating yourself which did actually I did find quite appealing to be honest I was like I'm so needy I'm like oh yeah a little congratulation email brilliant and you either kind of send yourself an email or you just have a reminder going like almost like well done you've done it recognizing that this is hard to do so yeah the Instagram thing might not sound like a big deal but lots of self-sabotaging behaviors breaking those cycles are really hard perfectionism comparison all of those kind of big things so if you've managed to do a bit less of that thing that week then actually going well done, that's a good achievement. And then you getting your reward, whether it's a book, a coffee, stationery, chocolate, whatever it might be, is a good thing. And that doesn't mean you have to go, you have to do something kind of every day consistently. So let's say I was doing the Instagram thing for the first time. It might be in week one, it was my aim for the first week is just not to scroll on Instagram before bed at least two nights this week. And as long as you just do the two nights, that's it, you get your reward. And it's, you get a little reminder on Friday going, hooray, you've stopped the scroll brackets some of the time and you get your link to buy the book that you want to buy and then maybe the next week you do oh now I'm going to go for three nights this week depending on I think the scale of the sort of sabotage because I think with the Instagram thing I found that quite easy that was it that's a very small example so I don't want to diminish I think some of the bigger ones that I've talked about in terms of whether it's comparison or you know doing work at the right time in the right parts of our day I suspect you wouldn't find it really easy to stop. I'm thinking about your sofa example. I think that would be harder for you than my Instagram example, do you think? To suddenly go every night, I'm just going to stop doing any yeah, work. Yeah, and I think the thing that would work for me would be reminders plus rewards. So, you know, that you talked about there, mm. I think, but because I like tech, I would probably use either something like futureme.org to send me the little messages. So I sort of plan it in advance of like, you know, you know, like the the day three, day six, day 10 or whatever little messages. Or I would use like an app like Habitify or like um, there's another app called Fabulous that you could use. Basically those habit tracking apps that can just... I can imagine using those. I quite like like gamified, gamified career development. But basically if I could have like a self-saboteur streak, you know, like how much have I stopped my self-saboteur? And lots of those apps have like those little streaks so that you can be like, oh, I haven't used my laptop today. And I think the more I could see the streak, the more the more committed I would to be yeah to kind of continue the activity that you talk about that would sort of be enough of a reward for me would be keeping the streak going yeah it's and that's why it's so interesting isn't it and why it's such a good reminder that we all have to sort of design our own development almost like knowing yourself well enough to go for you it's about gamifying you'd like seeing the progress for me I just need the email telling me I've done a good job (laughs) you know he's just like that that is literally probably and I think if I knew that that was coming I sort of wouldn't want to not get it so you know like 
the fear of then not achieving because of my achievement <laughs> thing of 9.4. Because your conscience is going to yeah. be calling. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, it's going to stop me doing that behaviour. So I think whatever this looks like for you, I think the key thing is coupling that self-awareness and then the actions because I think lots of people... I think will already understand how this gets in their way and they'll see these behaviours. And so I think the key is sort of the part two of what we've talked about today is go, well, what are you going to try out? Don't try and do all of it overnight and don't expect yourself to sort of, you're not trying to fix yourself. Going back to where we started with everybody has these kind of behaviours and they sort of are there for a reason and we sort of don't need to beat ourselves up. But if we can sort of get out of our own way it has so many good advantages, not only in terms of our learning and our potential and our possibilities, but I was even reading an article about how much self-sabotage contributes to burnout because it's almost one other thing. You know, in your day, Mm. you're like, well, I've already got the stresses that I can't control. And then you sort of add on a load of extra stresses, which, you know, sort of almost probably get you over to that. You know, we talk about like the stress bucket sort of overflowing. And it was really interesting, actually, that research on, actually how much self-sabotage and people sort of need more support about how to manage that, but, you know, within a work context, because, you know, say you were very kind of into being very perfect and, you know, that you can see how that could really hold you back and you could really see how that could lead to burnout or if you're comparing yourself and feeling like you're not progressing as quickly as everybody else and you spend so much time worrying about that, then you get behind on the work you need to do. You can see how these kind of negative loops can actually end up being really serious for us in terms of our like well-being and just day-to-day enjoyment of the work that we do. So this is worth spending some time thinking about in terms of what does this look like for you? And even if you are like me and you started off with the blissful ignorance, which I did quite enjoy, to be honest, for a while until I got halfway through preparing for this podcast. But I have now got to the end of it and thought, oh, there are definitely some things, there are some cycles that I am almost quite intrigued and curious about. Can I break those cycles? I think seeing the cycles in that way going, like approach those cycles with curiosity and commitment and get some support from other people as well rather than feeling like you have to change everything all at once which I think is very hard to do. I do think everything that we've talked about today benefits from a discussion with somebody else like the Mm. reason that Sarah and I can be so open is because you're all not in a room with us so we don't really know that you're listening but you know you are some of that that vulnerability (laughs) is not doesn't feel quite so exposing but also because Sarah and I know each other so well so we see this in each other and we are good at supporting each other and being each other's accountability partners and I think this really benefits from having somebody like that, either someone outside of your work who you trust to have that sort of conversation and talk with or someone inside of the work who can maybe support you with some of the actions that you could do. I think it would be really, really helpful to have that. And the summary that we do in the pod sheet, which will have the ideas for action that we've talked about, we'll put the link, for example, to the School of Life video and the link to the survey that you can take on positive intelligence. All that will be there and you could work that through together either just two of you or in a group but I I definitely think that resource will help you to put these ideas into action and particularly if you can do it with somebody else as well so thank you so much for listening that's everything for this week and very best of luck with that self-sabotaging cycle breaking we know it's not easy but it's definitely worth the effort 
If you've ever got any topics or ideas of things that you'd like us to talk about, please do always get in touch. We definitely take requests. And some of our most popular topics have come from people saying, oh, have you got an episode on this? And we'll think, of course we've got an episode on that. And then we look and think, oh, no, we haven't. So it is always worth emailing us if you can't find an episode that would be really useful for you and your career. And as a reminder, we're just Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. But that's all for this week. And we'll be back with you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. 